Welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, also streaming live on Twitch right now. You can't see me, but you can see Anthony and Chris. That's good. I got a face for radio. So uh, we've got a good one for you here today, here with you on Tuesday, uh, trying out day number two here, night number two. Tried this yesterday, had some technical difficulties, uh, but here with you on Tuesday, September 22nd, headed into Wednesday, September 23rd. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the quarterback decision has been made moving forward, and, you know, weeks we've had cast, and good to be back with you on our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, uh, and anyone that just uh, that's hopping in here on the Twitch, uh, you can't see Luke right now, uh, but he's like a force ghost. He is with us in spirit. Um, doesn't currently have access to video, but yeah, um, had a little technical snafu last night. It appears, at least uh, from what I'm looking at now, that things might be good there. So uh, it's good to be back. I we're well well versed and well practiced in discuss discussing the things that we're going to discuss today now so uh it's good to be back and like i said uh, we've been on and off for a while but it's nice that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's it doesn't appear to be at least for now an oncoming train like there's football on the horizon so and that's what we do best we talk about it yeah i mean it's been a real roller coaster of emotions these i mean this whole year but really these last couple months you know it's been a pleasant surprise honestly because especially uh, me as a baseball fan, like I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall with the way things started with this baseball season with the COVID outbreaks that I, I'd kind of accept the fact we probably weren't going to have college football this year. And then when they canceled the season, I think a, a lot of us collectively weren't very surprised, but all of a sudden uh, there was, you know, kind of an uprising, I guess. And it's been cool to see the players, you know, standing up and trying to get their season back and, um, I think all of us were kind of looking, trying to figure out what a content plan could look like here in 2020 without football. And it's been, it's been really cool uh, having hopefully some return to normalcy starting October 24th. We can finally start discussing things that we, we were best at, which is the schedule and who's going to be on this team and who's going to perform on this team. It's a, it is an exciting thing finally to look forward to. It's nice to have some good news. And obviously the the big news coming out of the program is that Joe Milton going to be starting quarterback moving forward. Dylan McCaffrey opting out of 2020 and he is going to be transferring, entering the transfer portal. We don't know where, but uh, we, we all kind of thought, I think the last time we had talked about this on this show, we, we all kind of assumed that Dylan McCaffrey was going to be the guy moving forward. We've seen in the past, Dylan McCaffrey was always the guy, uh, uh, you know, Shea Patterson, and he, he was the guy getting the reps. He's the guy who kind of led the team uh, down in Wisconsin last year before getting hurt. So for this news to come out that Joe Milton won the job, and not only that, sounds like Cade McNamara may have even uh, beat out Dylan McCaffrey for that number two position. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it definitely surprised me a little. Uh, what did you guys think of the news? Uh, it seemed that it was kind of trending that way the last couple of weeks, at least with some of the the message board buzz, uh, some of the stuff that you know trickles out from behind a paywall, uh, buzz from people that, that I had spoken to privately. Um, Joe Milton, and mind you, they haven't been practicing in pads, so I think that's what's even more 
surprising to me is that a battle was decided without ever having a contact practice, which I said this throughout the off season that if, if Joe Milton won the job to me, that was going to be a sign that, you know, a best case scenario in a lot of ways that we kind of know, despite, you know, there, there's a lot of potential that was left on the table with Dylan McCaffrey, whether it be due to injuries or, um, you know, just not being able to get and stay on the field. Um, it felt like we kind of knew what he was going to be, um, you know, a talented guy. I don't know how gifted a passer he would have wound up being at Michigan. Uh, certainly a tremendous athlete, tremendous runner, but you know, Joe Milton's the guy and, um, you know, I hate doing the comparison thing. People, you know, I'll just say he looks, he looks like a Cam Newton, um, physically, his stature, the way he's built. I don't know if he'll play that way. I probably not. Um, but I've said long, throughout all of this that if he wins the job, it means that it took a pretty special effort from him to do that. And, and by all accounts, it kind of seems like that's what happened. Yeah, I would agree. I think that, you know, it, it was a surprise to a certain extent because I think collectively on the field, it kind of seemed like, you know, in, in garbage time, admittedly, McCaffrey had come in and shown some promise, came in against Wisconsin in 2018 and played pretty well, came in against Notre Dame in 2019 and played pretty well. But a whole – I mean, and we've seen this before. A whole lot can happen in an offseason, especially an offseason as tumultuous as uh, this one for, for all teams, not just Michigan. I mean, I remember, you know, we going all the way back over a decade now, you know, for CA when he was here, you know, had a pretty solid freshman season, you know, blew his diaper against Ohio state, but for the most part played pretty well. It kind of seemed like, all right, he'll be the quarterback next year. Denard came in, stole it from him, ran with it. And he was, you know, he was a three-year starter for Michigan. So uh, weirder things have happened. Uh, I think that what was surprising to me, uh, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. The opt-out was not nearly as surprising as the transfer because – and it made me actually feel better because to me, like, if Dylan McCaffrey was going to be the starting quarterback here – and I understand, you know, COVID is obviously still a very dangerous thing. I have a hard time believing that a guy who's been here for two years, three years now, uh, who would have won the starting job would have tra- opted out because of COVID. I think the writing was on the wall in terms of him getting beaten out. And what it shows is that drive, um, that little sequence against Wisconsin last year, changed the fate of three different quarterbacks because Michigan was getting you know demolished by Wisconsin and Madison last year. They go, uh, Shea was – it was a combination of I think he was a bit banged up and not playing well. They go with McCaffrey in the second half. I think all of us came on here and said, look, if – what's what's the point right now you might as well just stick with dmac he comes in you know kind of gets a skull crushed in it wasn't his fault it was kind of a nasty hit you end up putting shea back in i feel like that moment uh changed the the fate of three different quarterbacks uh, for this university i think if if mccaffrey comes in and plays relatively well he would probably be the starting quarterback going forward in 2020 but instead shea came in finished out the season and milton it looks like uh beat mccaffrey out and i think it is Ultimately, I think that this will turn out to be a good thing because as people have brought up before, this is the first time in which this is a Harbaugh recruit who uh, will be playing a quarterback under Harbaugh. I mean, you know, they had Shea for two years as a transfer, obviously Rudock for a year, Spate for two years. But uh, I think that's, that's exciting. And I think it's also nice to know that I think Milton will be on a pretty long leash here. I think in previous years, um, 
every time there was so much as a single overthrow, uh, you you would see the fans clamoring for another guy. I think that uh, I think that this will be Milton's team for at the very least this season, and if he plays well, it'll it'll move into next season as well. Yeah, I think it's a big reason for optimism actually that Joe Milton won this job in the sense that Dylan McCaffrey came in a year before him as a 24-7 four-star composite quarterback recruit. Uh, He was tabbed to be the guy, Harbaugh's big first get uh, as a recruiter. And Cade McNamara is also a a four-star quarterback prospect. Joe Milton didn't win this job by default because he didn't have any competition. You know, he went out – and in, in the second year of this Josh Gaddis system, he went out and he beat Dylan McCaffrey out and he beat Cade McNamara out. That means he can make the reads in the offense, he can make the throws in the offense, and he can make the plays in the offense. So it, just with that being said, and considering who he beat out for the job, I think it's a huge reason for optimism coming into this year. And I don't think, and I wouldn't expect Michigan, even with a new quarterback uh, starting, I don't think they're going to go through those growing pains that they did a year ago against Middle Tennessee and against Army and against Wisconsin. I think they should be able to pretty much hit the ground running on offense. Yeah, and the one thing that I think that McCaffrey opting out, transferring, whatever you want to call it, is at this point, uh, it takes away that, um, like Chris sort of alluded to this, the, the guy, everyone always wants to see the guy that's on the bench. Um, yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, if Joe Milton struggles, people aren't going to say, oh, well, throw McNamara out there or throw just for the hell of it, throw Dan Villari out there. Who who cares? Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, I think what McCaffrey leaving does is, like I said, it removes that it, a potential like Drew Henson, Tom Brady dynamic that I think a lot of people were concerned might take place. Uh, Joe Milton's the guy, and he's the guy who he has, what, I believe three years of eligibility remaining. Um so you assume that him winning this job means he'll he will be Michigan's starting quarterback for two seasons. And in a year where I know people will be frustrated if they get uh, destroyed by Ohio State or they lose at Minnesota or they lose to Penn State or Wisconsin or any combination of those things, people will be frustrated and they'll want people benched, they'll want people fired. Um, I'll be honest, this year has been so weird, it will remain weird. I'm not putting any stock into this season at all. So the fact that Joe Milton is a guy that looks like he can be a multiple-year starter, at least in theory, to me, this year is all about growth. And people are so tired of the wait-till-next-year stuff. This season, with as much as Michigan lost, forget to graduation, forget to the draft, just with what they've lost since the summer with the opt-outs and things like that, I think everything is just kind of any rep that anyone gets on this team that will be around the next year or two. I think that's nothing but positives. Now there's going to be some pressure on Joe Milton because if he doesn't really perform all that well, JJ McCarthy is supposed to be on campus in January. And you know that if people were going to clamor for Dylan McCaffrey, if Joe Milton struggled, people are definitely going to go nuts for JJ McCaffrey. They're going to want him J.J. McCarthy. There's too many mix. My God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so and that's not to say it's realistic that he'll play as a true freshman. But, um, like I said, J.J. McCarthy might wind up being a quarterback that is probably the most anticipated quarterback arrival at Michigan since 
Can we name one in the last 20 years? Uh, I mean, I was a bit before my time. Uh, we're, we're talking incoming freshmen, right? Not yeah. transfers. Yeah. Um, uh, Henson was a big recruit, right? Sure. He was 97, though, I think. So that would have been even over 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, probably in the last 20 years, probably no, nobody. If you want to go recently, I know a lot of people were excited for Shane Morris. We saw how that played out. But yeah. Um, right. yeah yep. You know, yep. Yeah. People were, I, for the record, I think. No, I was people were say, excited about Tate Forcier, too, though, weren't they? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't a, like a five star guy or, or right. anything like that. Right. Um, I think, for the record, JJ McCarthy's going to be good, and I think he'll be much better than, you know, how Shane Morris fared. But I digress. That's, I just don't, I think that this is all, this is all upside for Michigan because if he can't play, then you know what you have moving forward. And then maybe you, if he's, if he can't play and he, and he happens to be that he stinks, which I don't think that's going to be the case, I think he's actually going to wind up probably being pretty good. Um, you know what you have going into next year. You have a guy in McNamara who was pushing for, at the very least, the backup job. They said that he was in the mix for the starting job. And then the highest-rated quarterback recruit that Jim Harbaugh has ever brought in. So there's nothing but upside to what Joe Milton does on the field, good, bad, or otherwise. Well, he's going to have to have some pieces around him, too. And – Potentially could be losing. He, he could be losing a, a big target in Nico Collins. Uh, obviously, Nico has opted out. We haven't heard if he's going to hop that back in. Uh, but at, at the flip side, he could potentially be getting back what you could argue is his most important piece, and that being Jalen Mayfield, who is going to come back and uh, sound like he's going to play this season. We we still haven't heard what the NCAA rules are, if he signed with an agent and whatnot. I believe Jalen Mayfield did sign with an agent, but apparently he must have got some good news to have opted back in. You know, he, he must have had some information. Um, but with the opt-ins and the opt-outs, what is, what is this team going to look like? Sounds like you're going to have Jalen Mayfield. Sounds like you're not going to have Ambry Thomas and you're probably not going to have Nico Collins. Uh, what do you think this team looks like? Like how big is losing Ambry Thomas and Nico Collins? Is that worth one win? Is that worth two wins? Is it not really going to change a whole lot in the grand scheme of the eight game schedule? What do you guys think? Uh, I think that losing Ambry Thomas is probably much more notable for them than Nico Collins is. And Nico Collins is, I mean, they're both massive, massive losses. I mean, for the offense now, your number one receiver is Ronnie Bell and a bunch of guys who barely played last year, but we think they'll still be good. But, um, you know, not having Ambry Thomas after already losing Lavert Hill. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing whispers now, or we're hearing whispers now that Dax Hill has been repping at cornerback. So I think it kind of goes to how they might feel about their depth there. Now, Vincent Gray, I think on a good team is, is probably a solid number two. Uh, as an undis- you know the undisputed number one guy with and they have guys behind him they like in DJ Turner and Jalen Perry and um, you know Andre Seldon I think could be a guy that gets some early playing time this year but it's not it's not experience and it's not Ambry Thomas it's not Lavert Hill so I think if you're asking which one has the biggest impact uh, I think it's Ambry Thomas and probably not even that close. Uh, I, I actually disagree slightly on that. I think in terms of what it does to the roster, I agree that losing Ambry Thomas probably impacts them more because they're much thinner at corner than they are 
at wide receiver, like you brought up Dax Hill, uh, apparently getting reps at cornerback. But I, I'm really high on Nico Collins. I was high on Nico Collins last season. Um, I, I was so happy when I heard that he was coming back. I think all of us kind of felt like when DPJ went pro and Nico came back that it probably should have been switched. Um, Collins, just sure-handed receiver, uh, great speed, you know, great hands. So um, I, I think that hurts a lot because I think the wide receiver core, it's, it's good, right? Ronnie Bell, excellent, excellent last year. You know, I think Sandra Stowe will be solid. You know, Cornelius Johnson back there. Like, I think, I think there's, there's talent there, but I, I just, a lot of those guys are small speedsters. And I think to lose, you know, kind of a freak athlete in Nico Collins, who's, who had the potential to be that number one go-to guy, like a Braylon Edwards type, you know, like what's going to get the number one too. Exactly. No, for sure. And, and, and I think you, you, you look at kind of the history of Michigan wide receivers. I think when their quarterbacks have been the most successful, it's when uh, it's when there was, they've had, you know, that app number one go-to receiver. I mean, you go all the way back to, to Anthony Carter, but even some of the weaker teams like Devin Gardner was at his best when Jeremy Gallon was on the field. I think that that is a really huge loss. I think Collins was going to be one of the you know top three receivers in the league and arguably one of the top 10 players. Um, and I just think in terms of quarterback development as well, that hurts. But in terms of depth, I do agree. Losing Ambry Thomas hurts a whole lot. I think if we're talking about potentially opting back in, and you mentioned this last night, Anthony, I think pretty much what they have now is what they're going to have. I, th- I feel like who was ever going to opt back in already did. Um, but I think that Collins is probably more likely to opt back in just because Thomas did have uh, an illness. He did have, uh, you know, he was somebody who would be considered high risk during this age of COVID. But yeah, both of them uh, pretty brutal losses for sure. You know, the the thing with Nico, and I think he's probably going to be a first-round pick no matter what I would think. I mean, you never know how the NFL draft's going to play out, especially this upcoming NFL draft. But uh, the thing with Nico, man, and, and this doesn't – not to take anything away from Shea, but he a lot of the times missed the big plays. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you went look back on film and you're like, Nico was – was open for one or DPJ was open for one could have hit a big play there. Shea didn't go to it, whether he didn't see the read, whether he didn't trust anything or whatnot. Like Joe Milton has crazy, crazy arm talent. Like he's sub mix of Brett Favre and Mike Vick throwing the football, you know, like I feel like Nico. There we go with those those comparisons again. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) I'm just talking about his arm, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause that dude can flick a football for 60 yards. It seems like, but I feel like with Nico's big playability and the fact that he is a young QB and that he probably would kind of lean on having someone like Nico and be looking his way a lot more. I, and I don't know what Nico's health situation is or anything like that, what his personal situation is, but I feel like if there was ever a time for him to have a chance to really boost his draft stock, it is with a quarterback like Joe Milton. Yeah. I, 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 I would agree with that. The one thing you brought up was Shea, and, and look, I, Shea's gone here. You know, you, you kind of became a controversial figure. You don't want to beat a dead horse, but I think the reason why Ronnie Bell was this team's most productive receiver a year ago is because Ronnie Bell was not necessarily a deep threat. And as we saw in the bowl game, especially Shea, is not a guy who threw a great deep ball. I mean, he was a master of overthrows 
a year ago. I think that had, and I think that's kind of what this receiving core may be was, is a lot of guys who are solid slot guys, but might not necessarily be deep threats. And I think it's why losing Nico Collins hurts as much as it does. Yeah. Your only guy really with any, I mean, Ronnie Bell is, is probably six foot, nothing. Um, Cornelius Johnson, I think he's six, two or six, three. So like you, that's really all the size you have there. And in a lot of ways, you know, over the last year or so, as we've seen Michigan do this facelift of theirs offensively, they're, it, it's, base, it, it's kind of a spread offense now. And the thing I find interesting is that, like you said, a lot of these guys are these shorter, um, you know, faster slot weapon type of guys. And it's almost like the type, and I think these guys are, are probably going to be better players, but um, it, it's almost like the same type of wide receiver that Rich Rod was recruiting to Michigan. So, yeah, that's a good um, way to put it. You know, what we saw, I don't know, it's kind of weird because that, whatever it was, the 2017 recruiting class, the one that had Tariq Black and Nico Collins and DPJ, yeah. those are all big physical specimen type of athlete. Uh, receivers and, and it's kind of jarring that just in the last couple of years they've done a bit of a 180 on the type of guys they're filling the roster with so um i don't know we'll see what happens i um Nico collins is definitely a big loss i mean uh, the guys and i chris i think i've heard you say this before i think the thing that's the most frustrating is that michigan these guys opt out for michigan and it's nope sorry we're done we're out but then ohio state these, those guys opt out and it's all hands on deck. Let's get the band back together and make a run at this thing. Um, yeah. And it's not to turn it into an Ohio state podcast, but I think that also kind of illustrates the, the difference in the expectations or, or what, uh, what these players are getting out of uh, their respective experience. So it, it's unfortunate. Um, not in the sense that like, if you have the chance to start preparing to go pro, and that makes sense for you. I totally respect that. Um, it's just like you see Rashad Bateman trying to opt back in at Minnesota. Penn State's trying to get Micah Parsons back. And Jalen Mayfield coming back to Michigan is pretty significant because um, you know, I think outside of Ryan Hayes, there were a lot of questions at tackle there. Um, but, you know, there's questions all over the offensive line. You're replacing five guys. But um, it's just like – why <laughs> what's the difference you know what i mean it's yeah. just kind of frustrating that's all if you would allow me real quick and i i, I could go on this tangent for days i'll just take <laughs> take it real quick uh i think that uh, you know the point i brought up and i i it became something that got ratioed on twitter as i expected it to i'm not going to go super deep into people's explanations but it, it's there's been a lot of opt-outs and I understand circumstances are insane. You can't compare it to really any other era. I get that or any other year, but to me, no other big 10 team has lost their best player. Uh, and, and to me, if Nico Collins, isn't this team's most skilled position player, he's top two or three, and he's probably a bigger loss than any other uh, team has had to suffer. Now, one thing that uh, has been brought up is, well, you know, he's trying to improve, you know, he's doing it because he's got an NFL career. Okay, that's right. I get that. I also find it a bit odd that Justin Fields didn't have to throw another pass at Ohio State and would have been a top three pick. Like, at best, he's going to bump his draft stock up two spots. He fought, fought to come back and play at Ohio State this year. And you have these guys at Michigan who – have you know been pretty quick to opt out I, I it's frustrating to me 
I understand the circumstances are, are out of their control. It's a very strange situation, but it has been frustrating when you have a lot of guys who are all hands on deck and you have several key pieces of Michigan's team. I brought this up in the, the, when we discussed it last night, whatever Michigan's record will be this year, I think one of those losses would have been a win if not, uh, if these guys would have been returning. So it's, it's, it's upsetting. Oh, that sucks yeah. to hear, but yeah, I kind of agree with it. It's facts. Yeah, it's, it's strange, man. You know, it, it really is. Um, and you don't know what anyone's personal situations are. But, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely something there. I feel like we could probably dive in depth maybe next week or something like that uh, after we get probably well, I want to. I want to say this, too. Like, and now it's finalized. I want to say this. Like, I don't want to – I'm not – and we're not disparaging any of these decisions. Like it, it's no, not at all. It's a weird time. It's a strange time for everyone. And let's call it what it is too. Ohio State. Ohio State has a chance to get to the college football playoff and win the national title this year. Penn State is probably the team that has the best shot to upend them and go to the playoff themselves. Minnesota might be next in line for that. So I don't think like let's just be realistic here. Like that's not what Michigan is going into this season. So if, if those guys in that room felt like there was a chance of that, maybe, you know, maybe there's a chance. I don't know. That, uh, so I, on that front, Ohio state wasn't supposed to be that last year. You know what I'm saying? Michigan started the year ranked higher than Ohio state. Michigan was favored to win the big 10. Yeah. last year and then ohio state set the world on fire you don't know what you have until you really get out there sure. you, you know and that's the that's the thing that i guess kind of frustrates me michigan should each and every year uh, with the level of, of the program they are in the way that they've recruited they should expect to compete at least internally they should ex- be expecting to compete for the big 10 title and for a college football playoff spot whether we believe it or not from the outside is one thing, but that should be the way they prepare for each and every season, you know, but um, let's talk about the schedule because this is another thing that has really hindered Michigan. I think is, is these crossover games. Uh, I think a lot, you know, uh, you look at other teams in the East schedule and the teams that they avoid like Ohio state, not really playing Wisconsin until they do see them in the big 10 championship game. You know, things could be different. Things couldn't be different. They could be the same, but Michigan got the hardest possible draw. I think that they possibly could have this year. You could say Iowa might be better than Minnesota, maybe, but the top two teams in the West division last year and the two teams that a lot of people are picking to finish top two in the West division this year, are Michigan's crossover games to go along with a Big Ten East gauntlet that's going to be brutal with Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana this year. I mean, uh, this schedule is is definitely going to be different and tough for Michigan. Difficult, not different. Um, But at the same time, you're a Big Ten team. you got to play Big Ten games. You know, what do you guys think of the schedule? How do you see it all all, kind of playing out just from from the looks of it? I mean, personally, I, I think that schedule talk is – that's what teams that are, you know, struggle to get bowl eligible, like Nebraska, I think that's, that's their place to complain about that. Uh, personally, I think that Michigan has, you know, bigger fish to fry than 
than a Nebraska does. So I'm, you're never going to see me complain about the schedule. Now, does it kind of suck? Does it suck that you're probably playing the best two teams in the West and Ohio state uh, is playing two crap teams? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of does to a certain extent. I wish they would kind of do it. Your crossover games like, like the NFL does, or even like this championship week is like your, your crossover games each year are going to depend, are going to be that team that you finished, you know, near at or near the standings uh, in the other division from. Uh, I think that probably makes it kind of fair for everyone. But if Michigan's a top three team in the East, you're probably going to play a top two or three team in the West. So maybe the logic is even flawed there. Uh, I think that, you know, LSU last year, you look at the schedule that they played. I mean, they went through Alabama. They went through the SEC West. And, you know, they weren't uh, coming into the year, they weren't the favorites to do that. Uh, I think that at some point, if you're going to be a good football team, you need to beat other good football teams. And I'd rather see them play Minnesota and Wisconsin than play, um, you know, if you lose to Ohio State, but you blow out Rucker or you blow out uh, Northwestern and, and Illinois, to me, that doesn't do much more for your resume than it would be if you had that that second loss on your schedule or if you beat Wisconsin or Minnesota. So that's probably just a long-winded way of, you know, I'm not – Listen, I get it. I know people are frustrated. Everyone thinks that the Big Ten hates Michigan, that they favor Ohio State. Um, do I think that there might be some TV rating stuff at play at times? Yes, I do. Because oh, yeah. Michigan, this is going to sound cocky, but it's it's what the numbers say. Nobody puts asses in the seats in front of television. No, there is not a college football team in the country that is hate-watched more than Michigan. Like, period. Exclamation point. So I think that that might have something to do with it too. And not saying that that's right, but I'm just tired of the like, Minnesota's a good team, but if you're going to be a good team, you go on the road and you win that game. Uh, you should, you should take care of Penn state and Wisconsin at home because that's what you're expected to do. So like I said, uh, the, the hand wringing over the schedule and the, you know, the, uh, the big 10 did us dirty. I just don't buy that. That I'm sorry. The only one that I buy as legitimate and it's their own fault is Nebraska. I, I do think that there were some. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. No, it is. Yeah, it's objectively right, hilarious. It's funny. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I do think in that particular instance, there were some, some nefarious things in play that led to um, them getting a more difficult schedule, but they've also sucked for the last five years. So it's like any, a, a lot of, teams they're going to play or teams they could potentially lose to the way I look at Michigan's right now. First off, I, that ninth game, that illustrious ninth game that every team is going to have, I think we'll probably end up looking at that the same way we look at like a bowl game where it's, yeah, it, it's, it exists. If they win, it'd be great. If, if not, you know, so be it. I think, unfortunately, you know, we, and it's sad it's gotten to this point, but it probably should have gotten to this point earlier given recent trends. And by recent, I mean the last 15 years. You know, Ohio State's probably going to be a loss. It's probably going to be an ugly loss. Um, after that, I think you look at Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Those are three games. Two of them are at home. It's also worth noting that who knows what the home field advantage even means in 2020, if anything. I think if they come out of that stretch two and one and their only other loss is to Ohio State, I'll view it as 
a, a solid a solid season because let's say you know they probably would have won their preseason games so that's essentially in a given in a 12 game season the equivalent of 10 and 2 9 and 3 and while that's basically par for the course for the Harbaugh era I, I'm okay with that given what they've lost like the, you look at the what he's done so far at Michigan Pretty much, it's it's been. If you were to make a graph, it's pretty much been, uh, you know, a flat line the whole time. The only notable exception was the outlier of the, of the 2017 season, in which you didn't have a quarterback. And as you brought up uh, when we discussed last night, Anthony, what they did in 2017 should have been what their 2015 season was. So uh, I think that ultimately, if you know, two losses, I think would be would be wonderful. Anything uh, beyond that, I, I think – I wouldn't say a disappointment, but I think that uh, a lot of people would view it potentially as a disappointment. So so what do we think? It's six, six and three, including that ninth game. That's kind of the barometer. Has to, has to be at least six and three. Yeah, a chance at seven to two, maybe an outside shot at eight and one, something like that. Yeah. Ve- I, yeah I would agree. Vegas has the over-under set at six and a half, which is I think is – Knowing Vegas the way that we do, I think is sinister of them because I could see them going seven and two. I could see them going six and three. Uh, like I said, I think that that, uh, you know, I, I do think that that championship week game would be a little bit more, you know, because it might be in Iowa. You might go, you might have a rematch with Wisconsin. You might play Minnesota again. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, it's, uh, again, I, I, there's, this team is, Outside of the cornerback position, I think pretty loaded on defense. I think that there is talent and and an offense that will probably. I don't know if they're going to be rusty early because they've been they've been getting a lot of extra work in since August. Like remember, they haven't stopped practicing, and this is something else that we kind of hit on. You know, programs like Wisconsin and Iowa that had to shut down for a few weeks due to COVID. um, Do did that bust up any momentum for them? Did that throw off anything they? that they may have had going. Maybe it ends up being a spark for them. I don't know. Um, so I guess that's where you just kind of roll the balls out there and see what happens. Um, you know, I look at the schedule and I think, you know, outside of, you know, everyone, the, the three popular games that people have kind of recorded as a, the loss outside of the Ohio state game. Cause listen, I, I don't think they're going four and four or five and four, but there are people who will say that well, that's what will happen. Um, you see them saying they'll lose at Minnesota, lose at Wisconsin, or lose against Wisconsin or Penn State at home. Uh, I actually think the game at Indiana could be um, – it's not going to be sneaky difficult. Like, games against them are just always difficult. And I think yeah. this could be Indiana's best um, – I think they have a team that's that might be better than last year. So, you're going back on the road again. That's kind of the blessing and the curse of flip-flopping the location of the Michigan State game which is another great thing about the schedule. They've got it to where it's going to be balanced now where you'll get Michigan state at home and Ohio state on the road and then Michigan state on the road, Ohio state at home. So all of your marquee games aren't just you know loaded in one year schedule uh, for home dates. I think that's a positive, but yeah, I've, I've got them. It's impossible to predict what they'll do in a nine game season. Uh, but in the eight game season without knowing who that last opponent is, I have them going six and two. Yeah, that's, I I think most people think that's kind of the barometer this year, but I mean, cause you could, like you said, uh, Penn state's going to be good, but you you expect to beat them at home, but you got to, you got some tough road games 
there's always that game where you just don't quite have it with this team. We don't really know what it is, but uh, I mean, like Chris said, we have a big enough sample size in the Jim Harbaugh era, I think, to to know what kind of uh, we can expect. Is there anything else that we uh, missed here today that we didn't touch on that we need to? No, we don't want to do it all today. I mean, we've got that's right. Yeah, more we weeks got of shows month. to do. We got, we got a month, man, before we before we kick it off. So. I mean, we could well, just always tank the broadcast and do everything again tomorrow like we did the first time around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that we, we still were able to discuss everything with a little passion after pretty much just parroting ourselves uh, from a day ago. So uh, with that, Chris, where can we find you on social media? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Uh, there you'll find the link to my YouTube channel uh over a thousand subs now reviewing movies i really enjoy doing those so please subscribe to that and i have my other show locked on tigers i'm a member of the locked on podcast network you could follow uh that show on twitter at locked on tigers and that is available wherever podcasts can be found so please follow me on all those platforms it would be much much appreciated anthony how about you Follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website at Maze and Brew on Twitter, on Facebook, obviously on Twitch. Thanks to everyone who stuck through the re-rebroadcast of all of this. Uh, you know, spread the word. We'd like to, you know, as of this recording, we're at 72 followers. Would love to get up to 100 at some point. Uh, it's a new thing. I know it's going to be slow here. We probably would have more people watching if we did it on Facebook Live or did it on YouTube, but kind of wanted to build something from scratch and this is a a growing platform. So I think it's valuable to give it a shot. Um, So we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher podcast wise. Uh, I know the podcast schedule has been kind of wonky at times because the news cycle has been so weird, but uh, we'll be on more of a schedule moving forward. And, you know, we've got an actual football content schedule coming and a basketball one, not too far away as well. So um no, we're, we're excited, um, and we appreciate your guys' time. Uh, if you're watching, you're listening at home, um, we appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks to, to everyone that tuned in on Twitch and everyone who's listening on the pod. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Hopefully next week uh, I'll be able to have some video so I can – pretend like uh, i'm on on the video and on the stream you know with anthony and chris here it looks like it's just those two so hopefully i'll be able to work on that for next week please re- leave a review subscribe and rate uh, all of our shows and content where you get your yeah. podcast your search maze of brew podcast on apple google spotify and more we'll be back later this week with some more podcast content don't forget to check out maze every day for all the great content that the staff does and for anthony broom and chris castellani i'm luke yardy we'll see you next week on brewcast